Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, everyone, and welcome along to the Liverpool Echo's Blood Red podcast. I'm your host for today, Patrick Smith. And once again, we're reflecting upon a Liverpool defeat after the holders were eliminated 2-1 by Brighton in the FA Cup, thanks to Kaoru Matoma's late winner. There's plenty of talking points, some positives, but they are still outweighed by the negatives, shall we say, as the transfer window draws to a close, with Liverpool's squad problems glaringly obvious. Well, joining me to get stuck into all of these topics, we're joined by four of the breast veins the Echo has to offer. And we're better to start with Paul Gorst, live from Echo Towers. How was the drive last night back from Brighton then, Gorsty? Very, very long. Um... Left my house at 20 past six in the morning. I got home at midnight. So that's best part of 18 hours. Um, so when you lose or when you watch Liverpool lose, you know, with a 90 second minute winner, it's a long, long journey home. But uh, to be fair, <clears throat> I wasn't really expecting Liverpool to, to fly out of the traps anyway. I'm sure we'll we'll come on to that in a bit more detail. But yeah, very, very long day. But at least I don't have to go back anytime soon. Yeah, exactly that. You'll be glad to see the back of that after two very long drives. I'm sure we'll get into all the details of that. We've also got David Lynch joining us, though. Lynch, I'm sure you've got plenty to say as well. I mean, I saw your tweets getting a lot of attention yesterday, shall we say? Yeah, yeah, it tends to be the way when Liverpool lose, which uh, so getting quite a bit of traction this season, actually. Yeah, <laughs> it always is the way, and we're getting used to it this season, strangely, aren't we? And rounding off this quartet, though, we have Rich Garnett. Rich, I'm sure as well you've got plenty of digs ready following yet another loss for the Reds. Going to try and be uh, upbeat about it, but uh, I'm not going to lie to you, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, it definitely is going to be a challenge. We'll try and take some positives, but as I said, I think they are definitely outweighed by the negatives. Well, that's our panel for today, so let's get stuck right in. Gorsty, we'll start with you. You were down in Brighton yesterday, as I mentioned. How would you reflect on the performance and the result now, maybe after a night's sleep rather than immediately after the match? Yeah, it was um, it was an improvement, wasn't it, on the game two weeks ago? But that's damning them with faint praise. You know, Jurgen Klopp has now managed a thousand and one games, hasn't he, in management? And and he put the uh, the three nil defeat to Brighton down as as his worst. He said it at the time, and, he, and he's repeated it since. So um, you know, he certainly holds that particular afternoon in um, very low low um, form, shall we say? But it was a bit better, wasn't it, in terms of Liverpool um, from an attacking point of view. We haven't really seen too much of that lately. The game against Wolves, Harvey Elliott won the goal aside. Liverpool didn't create too much. The game against Chelsea was just one of the most, you know, dour nil-nils you're likely to see. And then, you know, the, the game yesterday sparked a little bit of time. So Cody Gakpo probably played his best performance of Liverpool in his was it five games now. Um, Salah had a couple of chances, should have scored, certainly in the first half. But to um, I wouldn't put too fine a point on it being an improvement because they've still lost the game. They've still um, still look like a team who have got so many structural issues across the pitch. 
team who've virtually got no confidence in the tank whatsoever, no energy. And um, it was no shock at all that Brighton have, have come away with, with that victory. Brighton are now, I think Lynch actually said that a couple of weeks back, Brighton are the best team than Liverpool at the moment, aren't they? And you can't really argue with it. Um, OK, Liverpool are a, a bigger club. But Brighton at the moment are, are coach better. They, they've got more energy, more zest, <clears throat> more ideas. And uh, Liverpool's, the, well, horrendous season lurches on. Um, it's not the biggest thing in the world going out to the FA Cup, but it's it's another defeat. It's the ninth defeat of the season now. They only lost four last year in 63 games. So um, more of the same, sadly. And I'm, I'm of the belief now that it's going to need something really... You know, quite sizable to completely turn around Liverpool's fortunes. Um, how low are they going to end up this season? We, you know, we, we'll obviously find out, but it's not a quick fix by any stretch of the imagination, uh, and it will take time, money, and, and effort to solve. Yeah, I mean, absolutely nail on the head there. It's just really, really bleak, I suppose, isn't it? I mean, Limpsy, what's your take on it? I mean, you're absolutely spot on in saying that Brighton are a better team. They've proven it now twice. You know, the, even the draw at Anfield, they're the better team, it's fair to say. I mean, what's your initial reaction to this one? Because it really is dire for Liverpool at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of stand by that that comment from the, the last defeat. Into, and, and obviously, the league table shows it. And obviously, now they've, they've not Liverpool out of the FA Cup. But I, I would say, you know, within that light, and, and because these podcasts have been recent weeks have just been ceaseless negativity, I suppose we, we have to sometimes grasp the positives. And I think... You know, the one thing I would say is that it's, it's going to be easy now from between now and the end of the season for a lot of supporters to sort of mentally check out now because I think they're going to look at it and say, OK, out the FA Cup, out the title race by a long way, probably very little chance of top four, no no League Cup, Champions League. It, it's going to take a miracle in that, um, a level of performance we haven't seen so far this season. So, you know, the season's effectively sort of over but the manager can't look at it that way. He's he's got to sort of eke some positives out of this and use this as a bit of build up and a platform to build to next season, where hopefully Liverpool will, will find a level again and, and, and be right back up there challenging. And that can happen very quickly, by the way. I mean, no one would have said this season that Arsenal were going to be as good as they are. And it's it's only took you know the addition of a couple of players and a couple of young players stepping up to sort of out of nowhere be this really dominant side. So you know, as bad as it feels at the moment, Liverpool can. Can really sort of step up, and I, and I thought there were in the in the performance yesterday there were a lot of positives to to take away from it, particularly in comparison to that three 0 defeat at Brighton. So I think Paul Wright absolutely right to mention Gakpo. I think that's sort of his best Roberto Firmino impression he's done so far, and that looks what like what Liverpool have sort of preparing him for. I thought you know Harvey Elliott another goal. He was getting absolute pelters a few weeks ago, and, and I was seeing a lot of people saying on social media he's not good enough for Liverpool. Absolute nonsense. He's going to be a mainstay of this team in the years to come, and I think he's starting to to really show that now. And by Chesic again, another you know really encouraging performance for him in midfield. He looks like okay if you're going to change things up, and Fabinho and Henderson's legs have, have gone, and that's it. That's at least you know that you've got Bajetic there who can be part of this midfield next season, and there, there is an option there that you, you know you maybe add two or three, and then you know you can use him, and, and hopefully one of Henderson and Fabinho sort of rediscovers themselves. So, you know, there, there were some encouraging signs and some things to take. It's it's an absolute signal when you come away with a ninety second minute defeat, and it you know we really are, I suppose, grasping at straws in comparison to the standard set last season. But you've just the manager's job now is, like I say, to build to use things as foundations and to find those positives wherever they are. And I, I just think you've just got to say, in terms of the performance level, Liverpool are getting slightly closer to where where they want to be. And this is going to be a gradual process over the next few months. But 
I did see some encouragement there as, as much as the result was really hard to take and it's, you know, another blow in a disappointing season. You've, you've got to sort of find those green shoots. I mean, that's the main thing to take away from it. I think then, Gino, it's a stunning last-minute equaliser, an absolute brilliant bit of individual brilliance from Matoma. I mean, Rich, arguably Liverpool deserved the draw in that performance. You know, had they drawn and got a replay, I think this podcast, you know, strangely could be a different discussion of, oh, well, there are improvements and, you know, they've got a draw away at Brighton, which would be all positive. You said at the top of the show, Rich, you were going to be positive on this one. So have you got any further positive takes than Lynchy has? I'm not sure if Lynchy has used them all up, to be honest with you. But, um, yeah, I, look, I, I predicted the draw before the match. Uh, I, I felt that Liverpool would be more compact and, and would, you know, they wouldn't want a repeat of the humiliation they had a fortnight earlier. And they, they would look to, to basically play to try and get it back uh, to Anfield, really. But I also predicted that John Rahm would win the Farmers Open this weekend and he finished uh, eighth after being second, which proves I'm no, uh, no uh, gauge if you he, if he need a tipster for any sport of any particular discipline. But obviously the Navy, they, they were on, they were on for that draw and, until they got a little bit slack. And, and as good as that goal was from Matoma and, and what a player he is, by the way, um, he just shot to prominence from seemingly nowhere and, and let's be honest a lot of clubs are going to be all of a sudden taking a very keen interest in him but as good as his goal was the the, the defending just wasn't good enough for it and, and and that's given them a chance to to get in there and, and, and take advantage and, and, and Liverpool have been cruelly punished for that and, and I can uh, it just it just saps it out of you, doesn't it? When you when you when you have a uh, a defeat like that, it's nothing we haven't seen before down the years in the past. Last minute defeats and last minute winners uh, they happen, but overall, in that like in the first half, I thought Liverpool were the better team and were unlucky to go in level at the break. There was a there was a bit of fortune around the goal, but um, that but for a few missed opportunities, they may have even gone in with. Uh, a, a bigger advantage than one nil, let alone drawing at one all. But what what kind of uh, worried me really was the reaction in in the second half, where it, it was Brighton that came out on the offensive, and and Liverpool didn't really seem to have an answer for that, and still until they started making changes, they they were more compact. Liverpool they seemed to work harder. They certainly um, created more opportunities, and the game wasn't being played exclusively in their own half like it was there a couple of weeks ago so you know it's a low bar to go from isn't it but any any sort of improvement you're going to take the positivity from um and and they were also more uh more physical when they needed to be that they obviously they knew now what Brighton are all about and they did try and stop them from playing uh and yeah all of that they've still come away uh out of the cup and in terms of actually trying to progress forward now what one concern I have got is it, it's pretty clear to me that we still don't know what Liverpool's best eleven is or what it what it looks like whilst we've still got these injuries and 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 how you get around that is well, probably just going to sort of uh, mumble on from one game to the other and and see who comes out best. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point there, which we'll come on to that later in the show, because it does feel like this Liverpool side is now in just such an experimental phase. That's something we'll definitely touch on. But Gorsi, I want to mention as well, though, Rich spoke about the goals Liverpool conceded. They weren't directly from set pieces, but they were, you know, sort of results of set piece defending. I mean, Liverpool have been so poor defending set pieces this season, haven't they? Why do you think, I mean, they're missing Van Dijk, clearly, but do you think that's the only reason they've been so poor from set pieces, or are there more to it? It's a good point. Um, I noticed Chelsea last week were putting in some real, really dangerous ones with Ziyech, weren't they? With his mm. on the left foot. Obviously, Chelsea scored early on from a corner that was that was ruled out offside. It has it has been an issue for Liverpool, hasn't it? Um, and yesterday, when you know when Trent clears that what that one with the uh, with his header, when it comes to Lamptey, I was actually thinking that's fine. You know, you can have a shot there. There's no way you're you're beating Allison from there. You know. Uh, a right back who probably doesn't get too many goals, does he? Certainly not from 25, 30 yards. And then kind of sums up Liverpool's look that it's Lewis Dunk, who isn't offside and wrong foot Allison and Brighton are back in the game. And then at the end, it's probably a, an issue of concentration, tiredness setting in, you know, collective after what was a really hard fought game. Um, and I thought Joe Gomez in particular was really, really poor for that one. He hasn't had a good season. Um, I'm, I'm a big admirer of him when he's at his, his absolute best. But he, um, you know, he didn't play too many times last season. He's played a little bit more this season, certainly in his favoured position of centre back. And um, the way you know he turned his back yesterday was just just amateur level, wasn't it? And you know, when you're in the 92nd minute and you just you're low on confidence, you're trying to see out what would be a fairly creditable result and and move on and get the replay. To do that was was criminal, really. Um, you know, it's a great bit of skill from Matoma, who, who as Rich says, was superb all afternoon, and you know he really has come from nowhere. But it's just such a poor piece of individual defending that has again let Liverpool down. Maybe that's what the issue is. You know, people not doing exactly what they should be doing or what they have done in the past. Because Liverpool last season, along with City, they had the best defensive record in, in Europe's top five leagues. Um, you know, Brighton have scored eight times past them this season. Um, and that's only under the Zerbi, you know. He must wish he could play Liverpool every week, mustn't he? Because his teams just rack up the goals whenever they play. So it's, um, as I say, or as I said in, in the first answer, it's, uh, I think it just goes beyond one or two issues now with injuries and, oh, Liverpool need a midfielder. It's it's quite a deep-rooted thing now in Liverpool's psyche, and it's, it's a long road back, I think, in, in terms of um, this season. I think you get to the summer and we've seen, you know, teams like Arsenal... Majorly improving the recruitment spot on, you know, they've gone from top four outsiders to uh, Premier League runaway leaders at the moment, haven't they? So um, you can change quite quickly over over the course of a good summer. But between now and the end of the season, expecting Liverpool to get anywhere near what we've become accustomed to and used to in, in recent years, I think it's becoming a little bit of a pipe dream. It's just going to be a real tough season where you've got to hunker down, you know, dog out results when you need to and build confidence slowly but surely and, you know, when you're losing games in the 92nd minute, after what has been an otherwise, you know, creditable improvement, it's only going to knock them further on the head. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the point you make on Gomez there encapsulates Liverpool's inconsistencies this season because they've been, you know, the most polar opposites of them. I mean, Gomez can have one game absolutely brilliant. Yeah, he has to start the next one. And then he can put in a really, really poor performance. I think so many of Liverpool's players have done that this season, putting in a 7 out of 10 one week and then a 3 out of 10 the next. I mean, it's just so bizarre. But Lynch, you'll move on into the midfield. Um, I mean, I was pretty impressed with the three who started. I think that is Liverpool's best midfield at the moment, as we've agreed on the podcast last week a couple of times. Would you be going for those three into the next game or do you think there's a case bringing anyone else in? No, I, th- I think that's going to be the, the first choice midfield now until the end of the season, seeing as, you know, Henderson, Fabinho, that there's just no signs of any recovery from either of them, whether, you know, they, they've just suffered from playing so much football in recent years or, that, you know, maybe things weren't quite right in pre-season for them. And, and in fact, that's something Jürgen Klopp's hinted at for the, for the squad as a whole, actually, he wasn't sort of satisfied with how pre-season's gone. And I think that's underpinned a lot of Liverpool's problems, as much as the, the mental and physical hangover from the season before. I just don't think they've been right from, from the off, really, in terms of, you know, physically, they've just not been there. And I think you've seen that in a lot of, you know, I think of Fabinho's challenge when he came on yesterday, That that's someone who's a yard short you know physically and that's why he was so late and he, I mean he tried he tried his best to get himself sent off um with his reaction to it um and very very fortunate not to be really but he, he I think that just sort of sums things up so I think you, you can't really change that midfield and it it says a lot doesn't it that Liverpool brought on those experienced heads towards the end and then that was the period in which they really lost control I think you know I think the midfield got noticeably worse at the point Henderson came on and and, and then worse even again when Fabinho was thrown into the mix, it, it, it's a difficult one for the manager as well because you know you, you look at that and you think, well, well, why is he making the subs? But I think he's so clearly scared of getting further injuries and he doesn't want to run anyone into the ground by overplaying them. Even though Liverpool have got a relatively straightforward schedule at the moment, I think he's just trying to protect players from injury. You've got Bicetti, who's young and, and, and probably not used to doing the full ninety all the time. Thiago is injury prone. Naby Keita is injury prone. So he's trying his best to protect these players, but then. The result of that is is a, a serious downturn in in terms of the performance level once those those more experienced players come into the mix and it's it, it's a difficult one to manage and it's it's just one of those reasons that I think as Gorsty says it's just going to be a really difficult end of the season it's you know that this the signs of improvement aren't there because he's, the manager has to make those difficult decisions but again that that you know that that can suddenly change in terms of you add a couple into the mix in midfield next season and things. You know, you reduce the workload of Fabinho and Henderson, they get a better pre-season and they suddenly become viable options again. You know, this stuff isn't terminal, but it's just not going to improve between now and May. And I think you've just got to maybe adjust your expectations around that and, and just hope that that, you know, that first choice midfield that he's now seems to have settled on can can do enough to just give enough highlights between now and the end of the season. Some some big games where they can put in good performances. Can they, you know, bloody the nose of Real Madrid, you know, when that game comes up? You, you just you just hope there's enough there to do that because otherwise it's, it's going to be a, a real, real slog, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it really, really is going to be. I think a slog is the word. There's a bit of a scrap yesterday as well, isn't it? To be fair to Bacetic, he seems to get stuck into those challenges. But Rich... Lynch, you mentioned there about Fabinho, I mean, you know, maybe he sort of needs this season a bit of rest at times, you know, be changed in and out so he's fresh for next season. I mean, he's been really, really poor in my opinion. Would you offer him that opportunity to maybe, you know, have a bit of a rest up this season, go again next year? Because I think his season was summed up by his first <laughs> 10 seconds against Brighton, wasn't it? I mean, absolute idiotic challenge. He's been off the pace all season, if we're being truly honest. He just seems so slow, doesn't he? I mean, going from arguably the best holding midfielder on form last season in the world, and one of them, to one of the worst in the Premier League. It's quite a downfall in the space of a year, isn't it? 
Yeah, and it's indicative of Liverpool's downfall overall, isn't it? It's almost like the prime example of it. I think it was last week I said he looked like he was towing a caravan. Well, he looks like he's towing a caravan with the little concrete blocks round the wheels as well. It just seems to be getting worse as as we go on. But but and it is it is a head scratcher for me. I don't I don't understand um, how this has happened. To be honest with you, he because he's just like you know like Van Dijk and Allison Salah's just one of your mainstays, and all of a sudden he's got an eighteen year old keeping him out the side now and and that looks now like that is probably set to continue and it's difficult to to argue with that really uh, i'm not sure i know we're saying that that could be liverpool's midfield for the rest of the season i'd have some grave concerns about that to be honest with you i'm not i'm not i'm not convinced it's got the overall character or the right balance to 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 improve results I could be wrong. I'm not professing to have the answers either, by the way, because if if we had the answers, Liverpool wouldn't be in the position that they are at the moment. But it, it concerns me really. And we're putting a lot putting a lot on the shoulders of an 18 year old, basically, to to sit at the uh, the base of a uh, much maligned midfield and, and and perform a few miracles uh, as well as he's doing at the moment. But, but just going back to Fabinho, the thing with Fabinho is. Uh, he's one of the Liverpool players who, who has actually got a resale value. So if Liverpool don't receive uh, investment by the summer or they're not bought out by the summer and you're thinking about spending big money on someone like Duke Bellingham or or Enzo Fernandes or whoever it is, whoever whoever they bring in, regardless of whether it's one of the big names or not, they've been mooted. Chances are, you know, prices are only going up like everything else. They're going to cost a lot of money and you need to recoup some somewhere as well. And Fabinho is one of those players who's not out of contract at the end of the year. He's someone that you could actually recoup money on if you did decide to move him on. So so that gives Jurgen Klopp quite a decision to make. And to be honest with you, on the current showing, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he did uh, cash in on him to uh, bring someone else in. Yeah, just, sorry, just to come in on that, who, who would buy him there? I, I just think if anyone's watched him this season, I just think you're really struggling to, to come together with any suitors. All the money's in the Premier League. Does he want to move to another Premier League club? You know, is there enough interest in him from abroad that would be of a sufficient level for him to want to go, or would the money be right for Liverpool? I just, I just struggle to see it at the moment because I, I just think every other club who, who would have seen him this season will be just scared that this fall off is is completely permanent. And it, it you know, it, it may not be, but it, it looks it at the moment. It's been so prolonged now that. You know, it's just hard to imagine him getting back to his best. I'm, I'm sure he will hopefully be better next season after a better pre-season or whatever. But it's, it's just hard to imagine Liverpool being able to generate interest in, 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 in well, pretty much anyone in the squad at the moment, given how poor the performances have been across the park. And, and like you say, that that's going to be a big issue if, if there's no change of ownership because you know they very much probably will need to, to generate some funds. So it's, it's a yeah really tricky situation, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, personally, I'd be looking to try and ship him on, definitely. And I know it's a cliche, but maybe a slower league, to use that annoying phrase, might be better for him, such as, you know, Serie A or La Liga. Maybe one of those, like Juventus, would go in for him. But, you know, as you said, Lynch, your current form, no one's going to want to pay north of £30 million for him, absolute tops, I think. And it's probably not a good value on the sale there for Liverpool, if I'm being totally honest. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. But anyway, let's move on then into the attack. Gorsley, we saw Harvey Elliott in his newly taken role, should we say, not new to him, but new for this season in attack. Looked pretty impressive up there. Some nice pattern playing movements up there. Is that definitely his role for Liverpool going forward now, or do you keep him as 
both a midfielder and an attacker. I prefer him on the right <clears throat> if he's going to be playing up front than the left. Against Chelsea, it just looked all a bit awkward. Um, and I don't know whether that's been a, a kind of byproduct of, of the fullback certainly being asked to, to stay a little bit deeper and not get forward as much. I think Liverpool have tried to go back to basics, defending wise, having he keep you know men <clears throat> keep men back and make sure they don't get caught on the counters or they're not playing too high up the pitch. So I'm not sure whether that's been a knock-on effect for Elliot playing on the left, but I just I just think it's a bit a bit of an uneasy one. You know, he's not got the pace to go outside his fullback if he's if he's playing on the left. If he's playing on the right, he can come inside and play his nice little one-twos and you know his tight control helps in those situations. And I just think at the moment, while there's there is a major issue around the midfield, while there's not enough kind of physicality or, or energy or you know enough of the, the general midfield three getting about the pitch, I don't think it's probably right for him to, to play in, in the centre at the moment. So for me, his best position would be on the right of the front three. Now, obviously, Mohamed Salah like, quite likes it there, doesn't he? And would you move Salah central and, and put Gakpo out wide? It seems like they are very invested in keeping Gakpo down the centre and, and, as Lynchy says, trying to make him a little bit of a new Firmino, if you like. So it's um, there are a few issues there to, to contend with. Um, I just think he's been a little bit unfortunate, Elliot, in that a lot's been asked of him at a time when so many other players are out of form. Now, if Liverpool were firing like they were last season and, and Elliot was you know, back from that ankle injury and this was a full season without any injuries and, and he was being asked to just to be kind of dropped into the midfield at certain points, I think that would be a lot better for his development. Same goes for Fabio Carvalho as well. But when they're being asked to play in a team that's so out of confidence, so out of rhythm and form, that's when it becomes a little bit more difficult for them and that's when expectations are probably unfairly ramped up and that's when you do get the, the unfair criticism that, that comes with that. Um, so I'm not sure what the short-term future is for, for Elliot for the, between now and the rest of the season, possibly, as I say, in, on the right of that front three, but that's obviously Mohamed Salah's position. You can have a chat about Mo Salah <clears throat> as well, but he's still Liverpool's main man, isn't he? So, <clears throat> yeah, several issues to to look at there. And, and just going back to Fabinho, um, it's a tough on that because there are so many other problems and issues around the midfield at the moment, isn't there, that, that we know of. Obviously, Oxley chamberlain into the last few months of his contract. Naby Keita, ditto. James Milner, Klopp wants to keep Milner on, but it's going to be on a reduced playing time. Perhaps there's a little bit of a kind of Swiss army knife, whether that's right back, left back, or in midfield now and again. Um, Thiago and Henderson have been top European midfielders for, for a while, but you know they're on the wrong side of 30, and, and Henderson in particular seems like he's just about you know coming over the other side of that and he's he's been out of form for a while. So pretty much everywhere where you look in Liverpool's midfield there's a you know a leak that needs plugging. Um so what do you do with Fabinho? Do you know do you just keep him in there and just think that it's it's one less headache to deal with in the summer or do you go full on we need to get rid of him because he's a saleable asset and he's twenty nine and he hasn't been in form for some time. That's when you get the issue of how much can you get for him? Is is it worth the, the transfer fee will it contribute significantly to any rebuild. So, um, you know, he was one of the few players at the start of the season that wasn't really an issue in that midfield. And now he's kind of played himself into it. So um, it's just another problem for, for Klopp to weigh up, I guess. 
I mean, it's a good point you make there, Gorst, because, you know, not only is it a problem that Liverpool need midfielders now anyway, say you do sell Fabinho, they then have to replace him. And are you going to get, you know, a good Fabinho replacement for £30 million? Maybe not. I mean, maybe there's a young player who could come and fill that role. But, you know, it's, there's so much for Klopp to think about in the summer. I mean, there's going to be so much in and out movement. I, I hope there is anyway. Otherwise, Liverpool's problems are definitely going to continue. Um, Lynch, I'll bring it back around to the attack. I'll come to you on this because you mentioned that Gakpo may be sort of being shoehorned in for the Firmino replacement. I mean, in the Liverpool attack, it seems at the moment that every player is sort of playing out of position as such or is playing better in another position than their orthodox one. I mean, Salah looks arguably better down the middle. Elliot might be better on the right. Gakpo looks better on the left. I mean, there's a lot to think about, isn't there? It seems a bit of a mess at the moment. It's very experimental in the front three, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally get the, the idea that they're sort of moulding to be Firmino. Gakpo, this is... Um in the long term because Firmino's, you know, his, his injuries are sort of becoming more frequent. There's the contract situation. I, you know, I'm still leaning on the side of I'd, I'd expect him to leave, really. I just think he could go play more football elsewhere and, and he'd have to take a pay cut at Liverpool. So I just think it might just appeal for him to move on. Um, and, and again, I, I, I don't necessarily think it's a contract that Liverpool should tie themselves into. I think we've seen with, with Henderson, once players get to a certain age, there can be that drop-off. It's Do you really want that to happen on your pitch? Um, so, you know, I, I, I can I totally get in the long term why they're trying to mould Gakpo into that. I think he'd be he looks like he'd be a good option for that. He's got you know he's got the physicality. If he can just use it a bit more, he's he's, t- he's very technical. He can take the ball in tight areas and, and seems to have the awareness to play others in. So he, do, he does look a good fit. But it just you know in this moment now it just seems sort of mad to be doing it when you've you've got clear vacancy on that left hand side of your attack. You know, Jota and Diaz are out. He clearly doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't trust Carvalho to be a regular starter in that position. Um, yeah, just just seems sort of funny that he's decided now is the time to do it. Maybe that's maybe that's a throw forward to next season. And, he, you know, he, he's thinking in the way that we all speaking about in terms of just trying to lay those foundations. It's not necessarily about short-term results. It's what long-term benefits you can get out. But it does, it does still seem a, a little hard, odd, particularly as you now starting to shoehorn Nunez into that left-hand side. And again, that's a role that maybe doesn't suit him as well. And he, he doesn't seem to be getting shots off as regularly uh, as he was at the start of his Liverpool career. You know, because that was one thing, even amongst all the things you could criticise him for, he was he was, he was was getting chances, chance after chance. And now, you know, since he's been shunted out to that left-hand side and he's only being used in the sub-role at the moment, you know, that that, that doesn't seem, seem to be working for him. So, and surely his long-term future is in the centre-forward position. So, yeah, quite quite difficult to understand and, and not really working to anyone's benefit because I'd say, I'd agree with Gorsty really in terms of Elliot. I think he's playing well at the moment and he's showing what he's all about, but he's, he could probably be better in another position. So, yeah, sort of di- difficult to understand. And when you've got the manager making you know decisions that you don't quite understand in amongst all the other problems that Liverpool have got, uh, yeah, it's not a, a recipe for winning football. So, yeah, it, it, it is, it's, it's quite sort of difficult to get your head around. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I've just realised as well, I said horseshoe instead of shoehorn for Gakpo in the Firmino role, which is a big mistake on my part. <laughs> That's what I meant. I mean, but Rich, we've got these, not problems, I mean, it's a nice problem to have, you know, with all the plethora of options in attack. But when you've got Diogo Jota and Luis Diaz both coming back from injury in, you know, March, April time, definitely, who both want to play on that left-hand side, maybe Jota through the middle. It's going to be such a headache choosing between those five, maybe six attacking options with Harvey Elliott now, isn't it? I think it's a pretty nice headache to have, though, Pat, to be honest with you. I prefer that headache to this one now. This one requires a bit of anodyne extra. That one's just a, a tactical 
uh, a choice, really. I was just going to say, I think some of Liverpool players have probably been playing with horseshoes on recently, uh, judging by uh, some of the passing uh, at certain points yesterday. But, you know, we'll, we'll trot on from that. Um, yeah, do you know what? I was looking at Matoma and I think, wow, what a great player this lad is. And he's just literally tearing up the wing, putting lovely balls in, and then he's gone, you know, he's capped off what he's done against Liverpool in these two performances by flicking the ball over Gomez's backside and putting it in with the outside of his boots. All of a sudden, everyone's talking about him. And he, he, I think he cost he cost Brighton a snip, didn't he? And then you look at that and I'm thinking to myself, we should be going for him. Why aren't we going for him? We'd probably get him, you know, fairly. Maybe you'd get him for 30 million that you sold for Bino for. But then it's just it's just because of you're forgetting that you've got so many players out injured, haven't you? You've got you've got Jossie, you've got Diaz. If if you sign Matoma, where would you play him? You'd have a problem, wouldn't you? Because basically, Luis Diaz is that 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 sort of left hand side role is his, um, and you certainly wouldn't want to upset the apple cart in terms of that. And and will that? I suppose the point I'm really making with this is, will Liverpool's situation be significantly different? once these injured players are back or is that just blind optimism uh, or hope in, in, in and desperation that things will just improve with, with more players to select from? Because I'm looking at that front three from yesterday, Salah, Gakpo, Elliot. I'm sorry, there's no way that's your first choice front three. He's never going to play that when he's got all those players available. I mean, I mean, we've got Nunes on the bench there as well. I, I guess Nunes is probably just still working his way back to fitness, but I was a bit surprised he didn't start uh, yesterday. I thought he would, but what do I know? So so if you have those, if you include Nunes and Diaz and Jota, I haven't even touched on Firmino, um, there's no place for Elliot in that front three. And, and Gakpo has not done enough yet to suggest that he would be ahead of any of those absentees uh, when it comes to the packing order, um, which might not be a bad thing for him because he has, I do feel like he's just been flung in there and it's like, right, we're a bit awful at the moment, go and do something. And uh, it, it's it, it's quite an adjustment, isn't it? But yeah, I, I honestly wouldn't be bothered about having too many players to select from because competition needs to be high. And if you're not performing, you need to be out of the side. And unfortunately, there's been a few circumstances where I think players... Uh, I've been given second, third, and fourth chances purely because of a lack of lack of options in their um, relevant positions. Yeah, I mean, Luis Diaz has been such a miss, hasn't he? Particularly on the left hand side, I think that's where. I mean, Nunes has looked good down there at times, but when they get Diaz back in, he's going to be so crucial in that role. Anyway, let's move away from that, though, shall we? And have a bit of transfer talk. This is obviously being recorded on Monday. The transfer window is going to close tomorrow, Tuesday, thirty first. Um, Gorsty, we spoke to Liverpool legend Robbie Fowler in an interview that'll be going live on the Blood Red channel tonight on Monday, so make sure you go and have a look at that. Everyone will be going live at 8 o'clock. He hinted that there may be some work going on in the background on transfers, nothing official, that's just him speculating, of course. Gorsty, do you think there's any chance Liverpool do sign someone before the deadline, or is that really wishful thinking? Yeah, it's nothing like wishful thinking now, isn't it? I think, you know, we spoke to Robbie, it was a Thursday morning, and I think... Probably more than enough time for Liverpool to to do a little bit of manoeuvring there if they really did, you know, want to make the the plunge and, and bring someone in. But I think Klopp said after the game yesterday that there won't be anyone coming in, and, and I don't think that's him bluffing or trying to throw anyone off the scent or a smokescreen, as as people like to call it sometimes. I just think there's been an acceptance that the money that was available has gone on Cody Gakpo, and um, 
that is pretty much it. The only thing that will keep keep us interested tomorrow, you'd imagine, is is what happens with that Phillips. And that's not, you know, with all due, due respect to that, that's not the, the biggest deal that's on the agenda, is it? Or, or perhaps should be. So, um, yeah, it's going to be another quiet transfer deadline day for Liverpool, which supporters will turn those about. But um, I, th- I, th- I think generally, you know, as a, as a well-run football club, you don't want to be chock-a-block on deadline day, do you? You want to have all your ducks in a row and everything all done and dusted and you can sit back and watch the madness unfold elsewhere. But I think on this occasion, you know, Liverpool probably could have been looking and assessing what, what was out there. They obviously brought in Arthur Mello in August. It's been an unmitigated disaster, isn't it? You know, he's played 30 minutes of football and um, to the point where Klopp, sometimes you, you wonder whether Klopp's actually forgot about him entirely. You know, when, he, when he's talking about injury updates, he just doesn't really get a mention. And, and he got asked about him on Friday and, and it was a very short update before he moved on to, to other players as well. So, uh, yeah, Liverpool do need a midfielder. We've known that, we've known that for some time, but... It uh, doesn't look like there's going to be anyone coming in tomorrow. Yeah, it's been unlikely the whole window, isn't it? It's not really the Liverpool way, as you mentioned there. They normally get the business done early. So maybe it's one to get the deck chairs and binoculars out and have a little look across Stanley Park, watching the carnage unfold opposite that, shall we say. But anyway, we'll wrap it up there for today. Plenty for Jürgen Klopp to ponder over the next week when he's mentioned how helpful these full training weeks have been. So let's hope there's even more improvement ahead of the Wolf Clash on Saturday. I'm sure the supporters will be hoping for that as well. We'll return, though, with another Blood Red podcast on Friday. But in the meantime, be sure to keep updated by subscribing to our Blood Red YouTube channel and wherever you get your podcasts from. We've got plenty of content coming throughout this week, including our exclusive interview, as mentioned, with Robbie Fowler and Poetry in Motion with Neil Fitzmaurice. But for now, thank you so much for watching and listening. From myself, Patrick Smith, Paul Gorst, David Lynch and Richard Garnett, we'll catch you next time on the Blood Red podcast. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.